0: Are you ready? Hey everybody! Hey pop! Hello everybody! People in the back! Welcome everybody! Welcome to the inner loop! Welcome everybody! Welcome to the inner loop! Without further ado! Without further ado! Okay, so without further ado, we're gonna get started. We should get started. We're yeah. I am We're We're gonna get started. <laughs> Welcome to the Inner Loop Radio. I'm Rachel Kuntz. And I'm Courtney Sexton. Thank you for joining us. If you haven't already, remember to subscribe to our podcast,
1: leave us a review, and check out our website at theinnerlooplit.org.
0: For any new listeners out there, here on the Inner Loop Radio, we delve into all things creative writing, whether that be inspiration or craft, publishing or editing, how to make a living, or just how we all sit down each day in front of an empty page.
1: Sometimes we play clips of local writers reading their work at our monthly reading series. Other times we invite those writers as well as other members of the literary community to join our discussions.
0: On today's show, we want to talk about Erasure. Wipe it all away. The 1996 film starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh,
1: I don't know that one. No, no,
0: <laughs> it's a classic. All right, but no, the form of poetry, but possibly just as dramatic. When we think erase, we think obliterate, destroy, demolish, annihilate, wipe out. What do you think, Court? Did
1: you consult a thesaurus for that? Definitely. Yes. <laughs> okay. That's what I. That's what
0: I think. But I was also reading an article about <laughs> erasure, and it definitely used all of those all words. Of them? All of them. <laughs>
1: annihilate is particularly strong yeah um yeah we 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 do think that uh to do you think that leave no trace (laughs) well i don't think that but that's only in context of what we are going to
0: see slash hear slash talk about on today's episode well listen okay our guests erasure poetry is different than what you normally encounter in erasure poetry right Yes. We'll talk about that. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Um, We'll talk about that when our guests can weigh in. But no, it can be,
1: to tease, you know, it
0: can be a form of
1: creation.
0: Definitely. Right. Well, it's definitely a form of creation, but it's almost like destructiveness. Like you're just. destroying something in order to create something new yeah and i think we can speak to that in many different it feels aspects of really life really good to crush it out
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i love a list it feels so good it does feel- <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's funny because like are we actually are we actually erasing it i don't Forever? know no it's not so much that it's like when you put something out of your mind like there's still stuff trickling around back in there so we mm-hmm. may think we're not thinking about it but our bodies and our brains respond to things
0: well isn't that the idea beat like that's the idea behind erasure poetry like right the original content is somehow still, still there, there yeah even though it's crossed out and yeah. you, even if you can't see it at all yes there's something about it that's permeate there Yes. It's like the unspoken. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it is. Um, I've always wondered, like, how much, okay, if you're reading a piece that you know specifically is erasure, like, how much do you look for what the parts come from and how much can you sense it or not? Or if you didn't know, going into it, would you get, like, that sense of the original? I think whole you
0: I think you get a you? sense of something like I think you do get hints of what's missing, even if you haven't read the original. Yeah. Don't you think? I don't know. I'm not it was just, just posing that question <laughs> to, the,
1: to the ether. Um, I the way I've done it in the past is that, you know, there's this writing exercise that I love to do all of the time. Um, and it's to, you know, for a piece of prose to, you know, start with a thousand words and cut it to five hundred words and cut it to mm-hmm. three hundred words and it's to one hundred words. It's my favorite exercise because I find it so productive, right? <laughs> um, but sometimes even in that, the only thing. That is the same. Well, and that's the point, right? The only thing that remains is the essence. So I think maybe that's what you're getting at. Like Mm -hmm. that essence is still there somehow. Definitely. Um, Even if it is manifesting in a new way and coupled with another
0: essence. (laughs) (laughs) Can you have essences in one, I guess? I think so. I mean, uh, you know, I think about linguistics because my father was a linguist and... He talked about how language is always changing. Right. Like it changes with the culture. That's why dictionaries are actually, you know, malleable. They're always changing. Yeah. Um, because language is imperfect, right? Right. So that's what poetry and even writing is all about, is like trying to articulate the inarticulable. So, you know, using blank space as a way to get at what's impossible to like. language to describe well yeah and it responds to what is needed in the moment
1: right in the way that if we want to like extend the metaphor in the way that like a moment of space also does Mm. Wait, did I say that correctly? I don't know. Um, I was thinking about. (laughs) I (laughs) need a moment (laughs) to (laughs) speak. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) see, Um, no, I was thinking about dictionaries, right? Because in 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 one way, they also serve as you know a historical record of what has changed for a culture or a people Mm. or um, whatever over the course of time. Mm -hmm. Um, And so. (laughs) this is what happens
2: um no but but in
1: in creating blank space intentionally you're giving yourself that moment to say okay where does this fit in now with with the needs of the now Mm -hmm. i'll stop rambling there
0: but i just want to say one more thing because i i feel like the the other cool thing about erasure poetry is it can be used for many things you can like create commentary on the thing that you're altering right so you're creating layers like here's So say you do have the sense of the original, you have a sense of the original and then there's the commentary on it. Do you think it must always be in your, in, in the poet or the writer's mind? Do you think it must always be in
1: conversation with the quote original piece? Yeah. Okay. So is that a necessity? I (laughs) I don't know. Because there's like, I love found poetry. I love, you know, mashing up Craigslist ads and doing all kinds (laughs) of funky stuff. And you're like, it stands alone. It does. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not necessarily
0: paying any
1: attention to the intention of the original. I'm just like, this is gold. Give me that. Yeah. I don't know. Hmm.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. Think on that, yeah. audience. Yeah. That's right. All right. Well, I think our guest is probably chomping at the bit to get into this conversation. and probably more... Uh,
1: Experience.
0: Yes. Has
1: some more better. <laughs> more better. <laughs> we'll probably have better
0: insights to offer um, on the go. subject. English. Yes. You got the words That's to, right. to put around the thought. Okay, so <laughs> coming up, we're gonna talk to our author's corner spotlight this month, A uh, poetry editor of Barrel House magazine and poet himself, Dan Brady. Stay tuned. Let's gather. <laughs>
1: gather um you can gather in. Gather around, gather around for the second
0: half. And we're gonna get started. We're gonna get started. We'll get started. So we're officially getting started. Not teasing you this time. Welcome back to the Inner Loop Radio. We've been discussing Erasure Poetry, and now we'd like to welcome Dan Brady to give us his take. Dan is author of Subtexts from Publishing Genius Press, and he is the Inner Loop's author corner, August Spotlight. Welcome, Dan.
2: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for being on the show. So... What do you think? Are we just
1: talking out of our asses, as is sometimes the case? We definitely are. (laughs) No,
2: I don't think so. I think one of the nice things about Erasure is there's a number of ways to approach it. Um, To Courtney's point before, I do think (laughs) that you you can take a found text and erase it. And if you discover a line or an image in there Mm -hmm. that you then base your own work on you know that's totally legitimate and nobody needs to know where you found it (laughs) it can just be like your little secret um i think it gets a little more complicated with longer works where um you are you have this relationship between the source and the the new work so then you kind of need to say where it's coming from.
1: Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you know, no. you know, <laughs> not a
2: I feel like it's often good as sort of like a warm-up exercise before yeah. you start getting into whatever your actual writing project is to just kind of take some random bit of prose, erase it, and see what you find there. And it might be interesting. And it gets you thinking about language in a different way.
0: hmm but, okay, so let's talk about the book because I was, I, uh, Dan read with the Inner Loop the other day and, uh, one of the poets who have actually been on the show and is, was an author of Corner Spotlight, uh, Courtney LeBlanc was there. Mm-hmm. She was gushing. <laughs> about the book and I'm like okay calm down (laughs) it's great she's a great
2: hype man (laughs) she was
0: right she was really hyping it um but then I read it and I was like oh I see like this is something interesting and new and innovative and accessible for somebody like me Mm -hmm. who feels you know I I love poetry but I often just like read it and let it wash over me and don't try to you know Mm -hmm. really deeply understand it but I was like moved in the first poem. Um, But it's different because it's not found poetry per se. Right. You, you can stop me anytime I'm saying something wrong, but here, my understanding is that you wrote the like one big piece and then you kind of erased it. Is that correct?
2: That's right. Yeah. So these poems um, present themselves as sort of layered pages that erase the same text over and over again. Mm -hmm. So there is, Mm -hmm. A foundation kind of block text mm-hmm. and then each page is a different erasure of that text mm-hmm. so you kind of get at these different angles and meanings and what was said or what nuance can i pull out of that
0: mm-hmm. um
2: because so your father's linguistics <laughs> point you know like we were not language is not a perfect medium um we're always trying to communicate our message but we say too much or we say too little Mm-hmm. So I was interested in that fluctuation mm-hmm. and looking at my own words, you know, what was the core of what I was trying to say and what might have been hiding there that I didn't even know that I wanted to mm-hmm. say.
1: Mm-hmm. Which that's something that we talk a lot about, that we love how writing kind of reveals itself to mm-hmm. you or reveals yourself to yourself right. through the practice. Mm, yeah, definitely. Um, but I think this is a an extended or deeper version of that.
2: Yeah, I, I think I definitely learned things about myself writing with this approach that, yeah. <laughs> that I wouldn't have gotten to if I just sat down to write, you know, a, a regular poem.
0: I really like this idea of, of layers because mm-hmm. uh, I think many of the poems start to play with how it how. So just to clarify for people who are not looking at the book, each poem is yeah. like several pages and each page is. The same basically, the same poem, but different words erased. And the first poem is like each one builds on the one before, so it feels like you're building up to something, and then you get the full text, and then it goes back and starts deleting again, and it feels like you're like going back down to some point, so it kind of builds up and then goes back down to a point. Um, and then the other poems play with that a little bit more, right? Not everyone has that exact structure, but it does have this feeling of layering and building and then kind of stripping away again. So how did you come up with that? Like what was the inspiration for that?
2: Yeah, I was on a trip uh, and I saw these paintings by Eugene Leroy, who is this French painter, Mm -hmm. the 20th century. And he used a ton of paint. You just like layer and layer and layer over the same thing and paint the same thing over and over on that canvas. Hmm. And I thought that was really interesting. Like number one, why would you do that? Number two, (laughs) um, it kind of gave you this feeling that something was there, but you didn't quite have access to it. Hmm. And there were all these layers in between you and what was the actual object. um, Hmm. So I thought that was cool for a painting, <laughs> and I thought, I wonder if there's a way to do that in poetry, and what would that look like? Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of stumbled into erasure as the method that would allow me to create that sort of three-dimensional feeling, um, and the only poem in the book that doesn't, that I didn't write the sorts of sex, is an erasure of this essay about Eugene Leroy's work. Mm. Hm. Sort something
1: cool. something else that strikes me about erasure in general and your your um, book specifically and you you kind of alluded to this a little bit at during your reading the other night is it looks you know it's a very different experience for people um, consuming <laughs> your work to do so um, in, a, in a in in listening and also in reading on the page the visual right right um and how I mean to me that's fun right that's your that's a little bit more of those literal layers of visual art that you're Mm -hmm. talking about and combined with kind of wordplay and where do things fit and what is the puzzle and range I think that also is maybe some of what is so compelling about it when you pick it up because you're like oh I can engage with this in a fuller Mm -hmm. way like I can kind of choose my own adventure here along with the writer with you Dan
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean I feel like they're poems that you very much make together, the author and the reader, mm-hmm. because you are discovering the method as you go. And then you can kind of look back and see like, well, why why did this phrase continue or why didn't it go in this direction? Mm-hmm. There's a sort of mystery to it in a way. Um, and I like that. I like that kind of collaborative experience. And it allows people to take away their own meanings mm-hmm. from things that you know, I have what i think that they they mean (laughs) but you know there's other valid interpretations too so it's kind of it's fun i feel like and people pick it up and you see them be like oh wow huh that's what's going on here right
0: (laughs) yeah and mystery and curiosity i was like how the hell did he write these (laughs) did you start with like the big block knowing you were gonna erase it or was it like did you find poems that you were like oh this one
2: No, I started with the big block and then erased them. So usually I would would write that first big block, no matter, you know, it could be at the beginning of the poem, it could be the end, it could be the the middle when I actually put it together. Mm. But I'd write the prose block first and then usually go down to just the tiniest bit of it, a single phrase. And then I would go back into my document with the big prose block (laughs) and I would highlight the little phrase that I had found. And know that I needed to kind of work around it. So Mm -hmm. everything kind of builds in these little clusters from there across several pages (laughs) to to the big block, usually. I can't Um,
0: imagine then trying to order all of the different versions that you came up
2: with. It was kind of maddening. (laughs) uh, (laughs) I'm sure you guys know Tony Mancus, a poet who used to live here. Um, He worked on these with me. And he would come back with these edits that would be like, I think you can fit another page in here. And I'm like, I
0: don't know. Man. I don't think I can, <laughs> do, I, do I even want to? don't sure. me. Does so, anyone want me yeah. to? <laughs> okay. That's awesome. I was thinking about the first poem, um, which really moved me. And I, uh, I read that you wrote this before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And that poem is, I I think about the big snowstorm that happened in the DC area where yeah. we, like everything shut, shut down for a we, People were skiing around DuPont Circle. Right. Yeah, it was very <laughs> crazy. Uh, but the poem reminded me so much of the pandemic and that mm. I, I just felt like the layers made so much sense because we all had such a, a layered experience mm-hmm. of being shut down and like our whole world's kind of just the the landscape of it changing yeah. and there was joy and there was like total despair and there was just so many layers to it. So I just thought that first poem was so apropos of exactly creating that, that articulating what was our inarticulable about the pandemic that, you know, I think you should just pretend that you wrote it after the pandemic
2: i heard that from a lot of readers, actually, that they, you know, they identify it as kind of this quarantine poem because everybody's stuck inside mm-hmm. with a snowstorm. And the book was supposed to come out before the pandemic. And then we were kind of in the final stages, the pandemic hit, and we were just like, let's uh, let's pause everything. Yeah, but the poems still work. So um, I don't know. I think that's a nice thing about poetry that. Yeah. It's flexible enough that someone can find it a hundred years later and still it's personally meaningful to them. Yeah. Yeah. On
0: that note, let's hear some.
2: Sure. Yeah. Why don't I start with that one since we were just talking about it? Perfect.
0: Uh, I was hoping you were. (laughs) That was was a leading question, as they say.
2: (laughs) So this is called Cabin Fever. How magical it had been. A childlike something started our lives. How magical it had been. We were getting heavier. The baby didn't know. Exhausted, impromptu. A childlike something started much of our lives. How magical it had been to be back. Shut down, they said. You don't have the option. We were getting heavier. The baby didn't know. Exhausted from a full week of impromptu emergency. A childlike fever. Something we started had abandoned much of our lives. Silence covered everything. Face blind. We didn't know. How magical it had been. To be back. Never again. Shut down, they said. A riot of neighbors invited us. You don't have the option. We were getting heavier. The baby didn't know, exhausted from a full week of impromptu emergency, a massive childlike fever, time to do something. We started up projects that had been abandoned, writing poems. Too much of our own lives needed play or anything. But the silence covered everything. Politics, wars, celebrity sightings, Twitter, Facebook, blind reports that didn't know. How magical it had been. Glad to be back. We lost power. Didn't lose power. This would never happen again. The offices shut down. Be safe, they said. A riot of paper. Our neighbors invited us to join them. You don't have the option. We were getting heavier. You felt the impact. The baby didn't know. His mom and dad. Exhausted from work. A full week of anxious, impromptu emergency. A massive fight. Childlike fever. Time to get out. Do something. Start up projects that had long been abandoned. Writing poems. Too much of our own lives needed work, play, or anything. But the silence covered politics, wars, celebrity sightings, everything. We Twitter and Facebook blind. The outside world reports no news. Eyes that don't know, enormous, white. How magical it had been. How we were glad to be back. We lost power or didn't lose power. This would likely never happen again. Snow started falling around noon, and the offices shut down soon after. We were sent home to be with family. Be safe, they said. The supermarket was a riot of toilet paper and breakfast items. Cereal and bagels, milk and OJ. Our neighbors planned to make a big pot of chili and invited us to join them. We made pie. All the best food is made when you don't have the option of going out. By nightfall, we had a solid 12 inches and the flakes were getting heavier. No longer melting instantly on skin. You felt their impact as the softest thud. The baby didn't know any better. He was happy to be home, as always, with his mom and dad. Mom and dad slept well, exhausted from a full day of play and diapers. Work was canceled for a full week as snowplows struggled to keep up with the fresh layers of ice and slush. We were excited, anxious each night, to see if the impromptu vacation would continue. Even the president weighed in. It was a blissful state of emergency. Crime rates dropped almost to zero. We organized massive snowball fights. The whole world was childlike. By the seventh day, cabin fever had set in. It was time to get out, leave the neighborhood, do something. We started up projects around the house that had long been abandoned, cleaning the oven, filing away bills, writing poems. We had too much of our own lives, needed work or play or anything for an interruption. But the weather of silence had covered everything. No politics, no wars, no celebrity sightings. Everything was entirely domestic. We checked Twitter and Facebook, but all we talked about was snow. It (laughs) blinded us to everything else. The outside world only wanted to see into our little globe and hear reports back. There was no news for us, only jealous eyes that didn't know any better. Finally, Monday came and we trudged through enormous white banks to enormous white banks. We skidded on patches of ice over grainy highways to our offices to recount to each other how magical it had been, how we drank mimosas every morning and strong black coffee, how we enjoyed being stuck, but were glad to be back, how we lost power or didn't lose power, how this would likely never happen again. Snow around noon. Soon after, we were sent home to be with family. Be safe. The supermarket was a riot of real. Our plan to make the best is made when you don't have the option. The fakes were getting longer in the softest thud. The baby, happy, slept well, full diapers, full struggle. Fresh, anxious each night. The president weighed in, blissful. Crime rates dropped. We organized massive fights. By the seventh day, it was time to get out, leave something. Around the house, we had too much of our lives, needed an eruption, the weather of politics, war, celebrity, everything domestic, check Twitter and Facebook. We talked about everything. The outside world wanted into our little globe. There was no news. Jealous eyes came rough, white, enormous, patches of gray. Recount how we drank strong black coffee, stuck but glad. We didn't lose. We would never again. Around noon, we were sent to be with family. The riot is made when you don't have the option. The softest thud. The baby, happy, full. Full struggle. Anxious each night. The president, blissful. We organize fights to get out something of our lives. The weather of politics, war, Twitter, Facebook. Everything wanted into our little globe. Rough eyes, strong black. We didn't lose. We would never. Around noon, we went to the riot. You don't have the option. The softest thud. Full struggle. Anxious night. The president fights to get out of our lives. Politics, war, Twitter, Facebook. Everything wanted our little eyes strong but glad we didn't lose ever we were the riot the option, the softest thud full struggle the fight to get out of our lives everything we didn't lose we were the riot the softest thud the fight of our lives everything we were our everything there there you go (laughs) (laughs) oh
1: man one of the like craziest things about that to me or the things i love most is that like i am in for the ride on for the ride the entire time like i'm like where is this pulling me where are we going to go next how is it going to transform and i just think that's really unique to the form and you very much. There's almost like a bridge, and you get the tonal shift, right? And then yeah. you're like, "Oh, we've arrived at this spot. It's yeah. all downhill from here." But there's a lot of rhythm to it in the way that there is in in music and song, and the repetition, and yeah, I
0: just
2: yeah. love that. Piece.
0: Yeah, I feel like that one translates to spoken mm-hmm. well too.
2: I yes. think so too. Yeah, yeah. some of the others are a little uh harder to follow. I think. Yeah, <laughs> spoken aloud, but that one has a certain narrative to it, even yeah. though it sort of shifts on you and you're not sure what's happening. Yeah. It's clear that something is happening. Yeah. <laughs>
0: so. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, well this has been such a great discussion. Uh you can find out more about Dan. Uh read more interviews and articles and buy his book subtexts via our website, theinterlooplet.org slash authorscorner. Dan, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thank you. Will you stick around for a little writing exercise?
2: Yeah, absolutely. All right.
1: Up next, we'll obliterate a classic to create something new. Plagiarism, maybe? Uh, no, it's it's in the public domain. It's fine. <laughs> <back> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Welcome back to the Interloop Radio. We turn now to a little game of erasure. Courtney, Dan, and I took erasure. Ex- sure. I just like doing that every time. Uh-huh. Uh, Courtney, Dan, and I took an excerpt from the first chapter of Moby Dick and created a little poem from it. Uh, keep in mind, our writing exercises are done in five minutes, so you're getting a quick and dirty draft from our brilliant creative minds. That's right. <laughs> Everybody ready?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Who wants to go first?
1: Mine is likely the worst, so I'll just like <laughs> get it out of the way. I have no idea what happened here. Uh, I stopped seeing words at some point. Um. So yeah, well, this will be a surprise to me as well. I'm excited. <clears throat> All right, but here an artist desires to paint the dreamiest, most enchanting bit of the valley. The chief here sleeps up from yonder woodlands, bathed in bathed in hillside blue. But the picture lies. Its size were vain. Uh, (laughs) What is... Shoot. Yeah, Dan, how do you do this? What is (laughs) (laughs) is the one wanting? uh, What is the one wanting a drop there? Would you see it? Two handfuls of Rockaway Beach. At some time or other, crazy as a passenger, did you yourself feel? Now out of sight of land. Give it a separate deity. Surely all this is not without meaning and still deeper. Uh, the mild image in the fountain drowned. We ourselves see the image of the phantom and all.
0: I love that somehow your voice still came through. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're always like in nature. You're always bringing nature into everything you do. And there was like so many images from nature that I like scratched out. Yeah. Of <laughs> yeah. It stopped. It stopped making sense to, to quote talking heads no, but, but anyway I, I still felt your voice which thank is amazing
2: <laughs> I the the image lies too was also this like big moment
0: yes great well thank you guys for your nice cheering okay i'm gonna go next because i fear going after dan <laughs> <laughs> we're all just chicken over here yep. <sighs> okay and it's gonna be funny to hear our sideways then <laughs> right let's see i don't know how you do this how you read like this right an artist to paint you hollow as if spoke mazy overlapping the picture lies a magic stream you wade knee deep among tiger lilies the poet deliberate why is a soul a mystical vibration out of sight why holy why give without meaning deeper meaning of story he could not grasp grasp the mild image that same image we ourselves see it is the image of the ungraspable phantom of life
1: i love that (laughs)
0: that actually made
1: sense i
2: think he did a good job keeping sort of characters in yes. there you know? yeah
1: so. all right i'll take yeah. that also also lying images i think yeah that it's you you know, know. Mm-hmm. central it was there yeah Oof. all right dan all
2: right here we go show us how it's done i mean to be fair about how to read these it helps
1: yeah. if you've read them like a thousand times <laughs>
2: not just re- wrote it five minutes ago just Got <laughs> it. okay so here is the shadiest quietest distant woodlands go visit in june Wanting. Travel your thousand miles, sadly. Why is almost every soul a mystical vibration, holy? Surely the meaning could not grasp the tormenting. We see in all the image of the phantom of all.
0: Mm. Yeah, mm. yeah. <laughs> I feel like that was like a pared down version of mine. It yes. was like much more. They were very similar. Yeah, yeah we had yeah.
2: overlap at the end yeah. for sure. The
0: mystical vibration. Yeah. It was, mm. Your your version was more tighter. Concise. That comes from mm. practice, mm. guys. Yes, I so. Pay attention. Yeah, yeah. It also, uh,
1: I mean, it's really cool how you almost. I mean, maybe you can speak to this, Dan. Like do you kind of like look at the whole on the page and things pop out at you as being in line with one another? <laughs> I don't
2: know. Yeah. I mean, I think you do look at the whole thing and then you are faced with kind of the practical challenges of language. Like you need a noun and then right, a right, right. And <laughs> can this possibly work with that? So you have to um, apply this kind of logic to it Yeah, and it doesn't always work the way you expect it to I think each of us found a way to like ground the poem in the beginning which allowed us to get weirder as we went <laughs> they're coming um, with us
1: we've got them now yeah. so I think
2: that's that's a good practical tip like cool start concrete early and then get as, as crazy just... <laughs> as you want
0: so. I like that can I apply that elsewhere in <laughs> yeah. life well thank you so much for being on the show and playing with us
2: yeah, yeah. it was a lot of fun it was awesome
0: thanks Dan And that's our show. We will be back next month. That's right. Did you know that The Inner Loop has lots of programming for writers in the D.C. area? So much. We do readings, retreats, workshops, a summer residency, and more. And more. To read all about it,
1: visit us at theinnerlooplit.org, where you can also donate to support us and local literature. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at The Inner Loop
0: Lit. Today's episode was produced by me, Rachel Kuntz. Our theme music is by Andrew Logan and our technical advisor is James Skinner. Thanks again to Dan Brady for joining us on the show. If you enjoyed today's episode, erase it from your memory. Oh, I like that. And then listen again and again. And again and again. And again, <laughs> again.
1: <laughs> or and also leave us
0: a review. Such as you today. Please leave us any review inspire person. I like that. I see that what you was did an there. Actual
1: script from <laughs> the previous. Amazing. <laughs> Please don't forget to subscribe. Subscribe. Subscribe so you never miss an episode like this one. Happy reading. Right on.